Okay, Justin. Subo. Tom. Frank. Vlad. Lads. How are we feeling, fellas and boys? I'm feeling okay, I guess. That's good. I'm feeling great. Okay. I'm doing pretty well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here on the plaid, lads. I'm excited. Hey, wait a second. There's old Subies. Subi, Subo, Subo, Subo. Yeah. That's right. We've got a special guest today. Uh, Soupy Sales. (laughs) A little little fella who's actually been in every episode of Plaid Lads. Uh, He's just Mm. been in the background, not making any noise, keeping to himself. Mm. We give him a a Game Boy to play with on a Rubik's Cube and keeps him pretty happy. Mm -hmm. But we decided to give him a microphone and some beer and pull up a chair there, Subo Subaleski, and join our fun tonight. Yeah. Join our fun tonight, young man. <laughs> Join Ooh. our fun, fun tonight. What, what kind of fun are we talking about, fellas? <laughs> We're going to talk about... Let me the- take you to the back room and I'll show you. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Baby. <laughs> We're going to talk about the news, which is sucks. And then we're going to talk mm. about... Sucks and it's bad. There's one funny thing, though. A funny thing, Frank? A funny mm. thing, Frank. Yes, there was one funny... Th- not what happened today. Nothing that happened today was good at all. But earlier in the week. Okay. I'll mm. take your word for it. How's it going with Tom, you said? Tom's okay. Tom's uh, looking for shows for his band, and he went for a run today because it was nice out. Mm. And uh, nice. living life, living large, and subservient to the circumstances that control my fate. How's it going, Subo? Mm, pretty good, you know? Can't complain. Just What's drank a beer and a half, so... Uh, <laughs> What's I'm new? feeling pretty good. What's new in Subo land? What's new in Subi stand? Mm, Subi stand. You know, I'm just living the dream. Living you know? the dream. I'm trying. You, I'm. I'm trying to tease a thing out of you, Subo. It was not too long ago. Mm. Perhaps mm. one lunar cycle. Mm. Uh, Fortnite, maybe something Tw- called Fortnite's too. Called a honey lunar cycle. Oh. A period oh. of time. Oh, I may have. I may have tied the knot. Tied the knot, as they say. Subo oh. got married. I did. I did. He got married. Aren't you all excited Here for comes me? comes the dude. He just, he's the dude. Do, 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 Yeah. Uh, so, Subo got married. Yeah. I was there. I saw it. I was yeah. also there. I wasn't looking. Uh, <laughs> Justin was just turned around in the corner like Blair Witch. He had some, yeah. he had some food in his mouth. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to Subo and Natalia. And to Natalia. Thank you. Thank you all. And may you have uh, like a couple dozen great years. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best that we can do, probably. We're all going to die in the big meteor strike. Mm. That's what I say to everyone who will listen. Uh, Yeah, I just bought that book, The Uninhabitable Earth. Mm. Sounds fun. Fun read. Sounds it sounds positive. Yeah, it makes you really hopeful for the future. I'm sorry, Subo, you just got married. I shouldn't say that. Uh, but it's really influenced my mood all week reading that book. Hmm. I, I have a similar thing, fact, that I keep in my brain often. It's not really that pressing, but it's like, oh man, life on Earth. 
is it going to end? Answer, yes. Yes. Yes, it will. I tell you why. Because we've all heard of the habitable zone. We're all smart little science dudes and dudettes and non-binary dude people. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's uh, this thing called the Goldilocks zone where if you're too close, you cook. You're too far away, you freeze. And Earth is sashaying on out of that habitable zone. Ooh, we're getting about 50 million years or 500 million years, which to put things into perspective, it's like the Earth is like, I don't know, like 65 years old. Like we've had life for like 3 billion years. We got about half a billion years left. Ah, it's grim. All right, Justin, what's going on? <laughs> I've been very depressed recently. <laughs> I don't understand why. Because um, of major depression. But Justin, can't you just will yourself happy? No. Justin, <gasps> can't you just eat right and exercise? That's what everyone else tells me cures depression. Fart. I mean, I haven't tried it. <laughs> that might actually help. I, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> no, you know what? From this day forward, I will turn this life around. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> Justin, you did You've quit solved this problem for a week. What? No, oh, I didn't quit you smoking quit at all. Smoking for a week, right? No, I've been smoking. I've been smoking the whole time. You said you quit like three weeks ago. <laughs> I said I was and going then to quit. We did the and then I we did. did the contentious episode of the Plaid Lads where you and I uh, went at it a little, <laughs> like India and Pakistan. Oh boy! <laughs> and much like India and Pakistan, that solved itself. <laughs> it blew over like the winds of the Himalayas. The winds. The winds of Kashmir. The winds of um, the uh, black. Nazarene Dahlia. What's that movie we watched? <laughs> we watched uh, Black Narcissus. Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. Oh, that was the one we watched, actually. The Winds of Sils Maria and Black Narcissus. The oh, the Clouds of Sils Maria. The clouds taste yeah. of windowsill. Flumbitis. Tom's doing beat poetry, <laughs> which I appreciate. Uh, but Justin, why you sad? Um, because uh, Justin's doing Mongolian throat singing. Uh, I see. I, 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 not very good at it. No. I mean, it takes years <laughs> to master. What's Justin's sad? That sucks. He'll get better, maybe. Probably. He usually does. He's usually good by next week's episode. Yeah, you always you either get better or you don't. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe this is it. <laughs> Justin's last episode, everyone. Oh. See you in hell. <laughs> Join us next week for the Justin Memorial. Special. See you later, suckers. All right, but um, what's up with Frank? I'm. Good. I, I said this off pod, and I don't want to go into details so people know where I will live, but I just signed a lease on an apartment, mm. a city, and that's pretty exciting and very stressful because I have to get new stuff and move it. Mm. Frank's, yeah, moving, that's a thing. Frank's moving to Philadelphia. 
I am moving to Philadelphia. So, it's not and, that small of a city. For it's me. not that small of a city. You can't uh, you can't just take a bus to Philadelphia, get off, and go, Frank, <laughs> Frank, <laughs> where are you, baby boy? I'm, I'm moving to Philadelphia and uh, from South Jersey, which is not a huge move, but you know I got to get a bunch of new stuff and put it in a place, and that's going to cost a lot of money. You grad, you're uh, graduating. You're you graduate at South Jersey. It's yeah, a life event. and uh, uh, I'll get there. But you know, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be stressful for like three weeks, and then I'll be okay. Nice. Yeah, it's gonna be great. We'll come visit. We'll come hang out in your oh. smelly apartment. <laughs> it's. Uh, I actually think that uh, we might be able to record a plaid lens there. There's like a little living room space. There's a mm, nice. fairly spacious uh, bedroom when we want to do after plaid lads cuddles. Oh, oh. man. You piqued Justin's interest. <laughs> Justin just was cured of his depression. Yeah. <laughs> a little serotonin, or, something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, but seriously, folks, uh, no, it's, it's cool. It's um, I the last time I, I I lived out of South Jersey, I was in like uh, Bryn, the Bryn Mawr Rosemont area of the main line. Uh, which is a nice, quiet area, but I spent too much money living out there back then. So I'm looking mm. forward to uh, living in a nice little apartment within my means in Philly. Nice. Sweet. Cool. I just want to point out that uh, <clears throat> it's just an accident. It didn't happen on purpose. Three of the four musketeers are true to form wearing plaid patterned shirts. Yeah, that's true. Should we explain um, uh, 18 episodes into the podcast what the premise is? I think we should, because I feel like we literally have never talked about it. And it was maybe something we should have talked about in September. First episode. And now it's March. I I feel like it should also be like the marquee of every episode, like your one-stop shop for Plaid Lads. And then explain what that is, maybe. I think we should change the podcast. Yes. Huh? Huh? Subo, explain, explain, Subo, explain what a plaid light is. She wasn't there for the joke, though. Huh? What? Qua? Huh? Okay. Uh, I don't know. You're all wearing plaid. (laughs) That's true. You're all lads. Let me see if I can piece together what a plaid lad may be. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Now, ladies... Yeah. <laughs> What's cooler than cool? Ice, Ice cold. cold. I remember that song. <laughs> That's a great song. The past it existed. Check it out. Uh do we want to talk What's I mean, did we is this um are we done? <laughs> uh, I, I think, think we got over. Do you want to explain plaid lads or no? It was time and workplace specific. I don't recall. Uh, so I think the story goes that when me, Justin and Frank would do the exact same thing, but at Barnes and Noble, our coworker <coughs> at the time, Lindsay, shout out to Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. Recently to Lindsay. emancipated from the place that we all worked. She does not soon work there anymore and good for her. Soon to be guest on this show. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. 
their loss is the world's gain. And uh, she looked at us and went, you're plaid lads. And we were like, hey, let's start a podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally the three of us nearly every day that we went into work would wear some variation of plaid. Uh, I would typically wear a plaid or checkered button-down shirt. Uh, Justin would wear some flannel. And Tom would wear, like, a plaid button-down-ish shirt. I feel like that's the only kind of plaid shirt, Frank. It is. <laughs> There's not, like, a plaid t-shirt. <laughs> no, but I'm talking about there probably is Yeah, a plaid shirt Shit. at this point. I need to get one. You do. Um... <laughs> My underwear is always plaid. BTS tip. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to current events. We could uh, Justin. Stinger. Okay. So there was a funny thing that happened. What was the funny what, thing? What was the funny thing? And it's funny because it reminded me of Fargo. Uh-huh. Uh hmm. It was the college admission scandal. Yes. That embroiled uh, many executives, but also uh, Lori Loughlin from TV's Full House. She was Aunt Becky on Full House and Fuller House. And Felicity Huffman, yeah. who is a, a really good actress in her own right. She's going to be on Frasier in like eight years yes. <laughs> uh, for a season. Um, and she is also married to William H. Macy. Yes, And all week I was laughing my ass off thinking about William H. Macy be, like going up to Felicity Huffman uh, with regards to this deal to get their dumbass kid into college where they paid like millions of dollars to this company to fake test results to get their child yeah. into an elite college and I pictured William H. Macy going up to Felicity Huffman and be like now honey I'm running the deal here I'm running the deal here. and she goes ah, I can get you a finder let's talk about 10% and then the feds start knocking on Felicity Huffman's door and they have to drag her out screaming in her underwear like uh, William H. Macy at the end of Fargo it is hilarious it's also rage inducing yeah it is it's two of those things but it is but pretty funny the specifics of it are hilarious, including photoshopping their kids' faces into sports that they've into never sports. played. <laughs> they pretended that their children were good at rowing by photoshopping their children's faces onto people who were good at rowing. Yeah. Or Every they would pose them onto like a, a rowing crew, but it wasn't moving. Everybody mm. knew. Like this is one of those like things that are coming to light today that everybody knew was going on, but uh-huh. then just finding out the specifics are so embarrassing <laughs> and ridiculous. <laughs> like, how stupid are your kids yeah. that if you didn't, like, donate a library <laughs> or whatever it is that most rich people do to get their dumb kids into a good college, that they wouldn't get in? Are your kids... That stupid that you had to commit federal gotta, crimes? Gotta go to some, <laughs> like, some uh, serious lengths. <laughs> Lori Lachlan's kid is a social media influencer, so you know yeah, she's, she's pretty smart. Actually, a big deal too. Uh, the one thing that I kind of—it's weird that this is happening at this moment in U.S. politics, but it's also not weird because. I feel like it's another page in the chapter of America finally waking up to a class consciousness. Yeah, 
We, we are a country who has historically been pretty much bereft of class consciousness for the entirety of our existence by design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a burgeoning socialist movement in this country. Uh, there, The Democratic Socialists of America have experienced uh, record numbers since the 2016 presidential election and the uh, preceding candidacy by Bernie Sanders and now the ensuing uh, rise of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to the House of Representatives has sort of emboldened a new socialist movement in this country. And whether or not it will carry the flame of uh, previous revolutionary global uh, socialist movements uh, remains to be seen. But uh, it's it's a start. Like I, it's it's just you know okay. I don't think we're gonna be like eating our turn up rations, comrade, in like five ten years. <clears throat> but like America was sort of cartoonishly without class consciousness. Yeah. What's that old line where socialism will never take in the U.S. because everybody thinks they're temporarily embarrassed millionaires? Exactly. Yeah, temporarily embarrassed millionaires. I, I've always felt that like. We should trade off a little bit of the UK's class consciousness for our racial consciousness. Mm-hmm. And like if we do a little bit of an exchange between us and the UK of those different stratas, it would solve each of our problems a little bit. Yeah. But I like it. I like it. I, another thing I like that's happening is happening on the day we're recording. Uh, the Ides of March, which is the global walkout for climate change that the young people are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, uh, right, so- right outside of where I work uh, at City Hall, uh, there was a, a huge uh, climate strike. I gotta say, I have this weird feeling, and Justin and Subo knew me in high school, I feel like you can vouch for this, which is like, I kind of feel like the hipster that was into these bands 10, 15 years ago, and now they're blowing up. And I'm like, oh, I was into them back before it was cool. <laughs> Socialism and, cl- and climate awareness. And now it's blowing up, and I'm like, I'm happy. And I'm just happy there's no drawback. <laughs> it's it's really nice. I'm just I'm just kind of mad that it couldn't have happened when I was young. Because mm. I just had to keep... It was, like, it was like being closeted, being socialist. You know, it was like this little dirty secret I had to keep to myself. Except I would tell anyone who would listen. <laughs> Could have been the cool kid. Could have been the cool guy. Now I'm just a lame. Now I'm going to be like, hey guys, I'm with you. And they're going to be like, shut up, dad man. <laughs> shut up, white guy with beard. <laughs> Fuck your cis white agenda. You're trying to co opt our social movement. I'll be like, all right, fine. Um, you, you're right. <laughs> I'll go home. <laughs> do, do we want to talk about the other thing? Uh yeah, Justin, you seem really depressed. How about you describe it? How about you talk about the other horrible thing? No, hmm. <laughs> somebody else. Subo, you got it. <laughs> Is it the, the I, I can take this one if Subo does not want to. Um, let's see what Subo does with it. <laughs> I, I I don't watch much news, but. <laughs> But apparently, uh, the one thing that I know that was terrible that happened is uh, a, a shooting of a in a in a mosque, I believe, in New Zealand. Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, not so good. And I believe the guy uh, he was praising Trump. Uh, um, it's, it's a little bit, yes. Yeah, but that's about all I know. Take it away, Frank. 
briefly. Uh, so yeah, there was a a shooting at multiple locations in Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, what was yesterday to New Zealand and today in our hemisphere, um, uh, a guy, his name, his name was released because unfortunately he sort of designed his shooting to be, uh, very internet ready. He had a, a helmet on with a camera and he recorded the entire thing on the camera and streamed it. And he was like posting it on Facebook um as he was doing it uh so the guy's name is uh brenton harrett or no brenton tarrant uh he's a a 28 year old australian who um was very heavily influenced by right-wing meme culture and uh uh 4chan and like a lot of that sort of heavily online internet fascist uh, right-wing culture which is it traffics heavily in memes and like their sort of shared languages is a lot of memes and uh usually uh, uh neo-nazi memes and uh, uh sort of far-right fascist memes so he on his assault weapons he scrawled sort of with a mix of of fascist people he also scrawled like memes and like heil hitler and 1488 and things like that. And when he was taken into custody by the authorities in New Zealand, he did this hand symbol, the OK hand symbol, which has been adopted by fascists as a, a fascist sort of shibboleth. Um, and he did so uh, when he was streaming. He simultaneously released a manifesto where he um, – talked about his his life online and used a lot of like right-wing troll language uh while he was um uh taking part in these attacks uh he called donald trump uh, sort of like a he did this is not exact language i would have to read this fucking psychopath's writing and i don't want to and i'm not going to uh but he he called like donald trump a sort of kindred spirit in white identity but thought he was a terrible leader. Um, and uh, he cited right-wing talking points about Muslims and their sort of encroachment onto white European identity and how he was doing it to exterminate the threat to to white people. So that's um, where I kind of, this whole thing really gets my goat. I mean, obviously every part of this thing gets my goat. But the fact that this happened in New Zealand, of all yeah. of all places, and a, a place that didn't have people on it until around 1300, and then all those people were Maori people, and now, and he was Australian. Yeah, yeah that's the other part that he himself was a freaking immigrant to Australia, a place itself a nation of immigrants, except for the Aboriginal people, obviously. So the Maori make up uh, 20% of the population in New Zealand, and obviously, I, I don't know off the top of my head, you know. It's, uh, what the indigenous population of Australia is, but I imagine it's pretty substantial. And uh, just the notion of white nationalism by a transplant to a nation of transplants, <laughs> where the indigenous population is very substantial and inter- integral to their culture, and it's just fu- it's that's that's the thing about it though. Like it, it's these ideologies that. Uh, I, obviously don't uh hold up under 
um, any kind. logic or scrutiny or anything. Right, and right. they don't, it doesn't matter that they do uh, to these people. Um, they are just signing on hook, line, and sinker uh, to it. Um, uh, with pure just hate uh, in their heart, with with as as you were saying, with a a, a, a desire for infamy, um, uh, yeah, with streaming it and yeah, exactly. It's um, it's a uh, uh, I, I think it's a sickness in this in this world. Um, that is, is, uh, 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 maybe not new, but growing stronger and stranger, uh, every day. Um, uh, and I, I don't know how you, you stop it. There's no, go ahead. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's entirely possible that the internet was a mistake. Yeah. Well, it's allowing people to be as strange as they want to be, I think. Um, you can really uh, can get into any niche um, environment that you want, want to be in, basically, with, with, with the internet now. I mean... For sure, especially with um, sites like 4chan. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, uh, so the, the other website, aside from 4chan, that he was deeply involved with is uh, YouTube. YouTube is a... <laughs> major um, platform for right-wing talking points. A lot of like really insane right-wing people, you know, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, PewDiePie, and the even the more fringe people, like uh, there's a guy who calls himself a golden god. He's like a, a Scandinavian dude um, who talks about the purity of the white race and, and whatnot. Um Red pill guys, MRAs, all those fucking lunatics, uh, they make their bones on YouTube because they keep getting chased off other social media platforms. And I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cite PewDiePie as a right-wing person. I don't think he is a right-wing person at heart. I think he's just an asshole who uses racist language. Yeah. But, un- mm. but unfortunately, this guy, when he was streaming his mass murder of Muslims in a mosque as a meme said subscribe to PewDiePie. Oh, so fucking Christ. Mm. So sorry dude, I'm I'm sure you're an okay person at heart, PewDiePie, but you got to reckon with that shit. I mean, that's the thing, it's all pure nihilism. Uh you know that that whole entire culture. And 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 it's not just that. It's not just it it's over over so much of everything is this fucking nihilism um where ba- based on um uh just uncertainty of of everything uh, uh all right i'm going to stop it's tough it's tough uh and and uh, the social media is reeling so facebook youtube Every Periscope, everybody, they've taken down the video, but the cat's out of the bag. It's already being copied and it's duplicated. There, yeah. It's out there. It's going to live on the dark web forever now. Our space dicks. You'll see it. Uh, and, and the conversation I heard, now obviously these weren't representatives from YouTube or Facebook, but I heard a little discussion of it on NPR earlier. 
and they're saying things like restricting who has access to live streaming. But of course, the antecedent to that is that live streaming is an incredibly uh, powerful tool for fighting uh, abuse of power by things like the police and in repressive states like in Venezuela right now, where we're seeing Periscope as one of the essential tools for the, quote, Firefly movement, uh, where there's no established media, but a bunch of independent journalists in Venezuela are trying to illuminate the country as individual fireflies. That's their metaphor. And the tool they're using uh, are, is live streaming. Uh, there's been so many shootings of young black men in this country that I forget who specifically, but obviously live streaming of these events has been tremendously important to one case in particular. Maybe I'll punch it in right there. Uh, but uh, so it's we don't have any good answers because uh, if we start censoring who can do it then it's like saying not everyone should be allowed to vote which feels really good and right after a stupid populist movement but at the same time you know you start thinking if we disallow certain people from voting uh then you think it's just going to be used to oppress certain groups and it's the same with any kind of restriction on freedom but we we don't have any good answers for this uh yeah internet problem yeah i um yeah no you're right it's the internet in so many ways is the ultimate freedom and there are so many trade-offs that that come with that level of freedom um that i don't think we're ever going to fully be able to get a handle on it have i done my spiel i've done this in person to everybody i feel like but have i done my spiel on like let it gasoline and the internet on the show yes you know you've done that you've done it on the show okay good then i need to do it again okay <laughs> That was uh, that was like a couple of weeks ago. To recap, was, yeah, <laughs> uh, lead of gasoline has like a one to one correlation between low IQ, violent crime, incarceration, all this shit. I think we're seeing a mass public health effect of psychological proportions uh, or psychological affliction caused by the internet. This will be remembered as the internet time. Yeah. Hmm. I know I'm addicted as fuck to it. Yeah, we are. I am too. Justin, Justin has. Uh, I'm sorry. He's booted down for the night. <laughs> <laughs> you can see Justin go. He's like. <laughs> sorry, we're gonna talk about happier things on the show. <laughs> no, we are not. So 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 just and just i don't know what this is uh but this was a weird coincidence because this past week i got onto a new zealand kick uh i got really interested in new zealand and uh obviously it's a country of immense and and almost seemingly deliberate natural beauty cartoonish natural beauty uh, like you know i'm a atheist through and through but it's so beautiful it can make you think in intelligent design uh, it's just a weird, unique, wonderful place that seems to have its head screwed on right, uh, and I, I, the whole world loves New Zealand, and rightfully so. Uh, couldn't have happened in a worse place, and it makes sense that it wasn't a Kiwi who did it. Uh, so, I don't know. We love you, New Zealand, from the Plat Lads, if you're listening in New Zealand. Our chat to New knows? Zealand. And mm-hmm. and to Muslim people in the community there and around the world, we love you and support you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear some music. Bam, boom, bam, 
Goodbye to love. No one ever can if I should. I started too high. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say goodbye to <laughs> Not that music either. This week on the pod, we watched the uh, Todd Haynes short film Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. Uh, it was a film that he shot when he was in college and that he was subsequently sued for very quickly. So it's not a movie that you can get through legal means, but it is on YouTube. Uh, and it's only 45 minutes long, so you should watch it. That's how we watched it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a movie that... So, like, a little BTS tip. Uh, there are movies that the Plaid Lads have designated uh, should be in the Criterion. This is a movie that should be it's not a full-length movie so it would be like a bonus feature on a todd haynes disc for some reason because it's you know it's only 45 minutes long but put it on there people it's a really excellent piece of filmmaking and what has always struck me is that like right out the gate did he it's amazing he did velvet goldmine he did a few things did he He did uh, a movie called safe which is one of my all-time favorite films did he do i'm not there he did, he did which is a great film. The Bob Dylan uh, biopic. He did a movie called uh, Far From Heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did uh, a miniseries remake of Mildred Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a... Uh, what was that other crazy movie he did in the 90s? Hackers? Uh, Todd Hayes, he did Hackers, right? Wayne's World. Wayne's World. <laughs> you did not do hackers that or Wayne's World. Wayne's World was Penelope Spheris. God damn it! <laughs> I'm trying to lighten the mood, Frank. We have uh, a man. We have a man down. Justin, <laughs> Justin, you want to talk about Wayne's World? No. <laughs> Party time. Oh, uh, Todd Haynes also did Carol, which yes. is an excellent film. Mm. Um, I love this film. This is like maybe the third or fourth time I've seen it. Um, I think it's a wonderfully made um and um um approachably avant-garde if you get what i mean so this movie basically okay we watched it on youtube let me let me um let me ask the room here uh has anybody seen it in any other way no i'm looking at you frank i i don't know i don't think at current there is probably not another available way to see it you could see it. This was a movie that got traded around on VHS. Yes, yeah. I was um, just—that's why I bring this up because it's—it's it's a movie that, beyond the actual viewing, beyond the content of the movie, the story of how you manage to see it is typically a story as well. Mm. Uh, because obviously it was squashed by Dick Carpenter and never got a proper release. Uh, and the YouTube video is just—it's like early YouTube. It's really low. It looks pretty bad. Really, really highly compressed. I could not read the texts on well, that's, on a good portion that's, of it. That's that's partially just on the purpose. filmmaking itself. Because mm. it was black text. 
on on a often a uh, black background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a but cool it wasn't helped by the uh, degradation. The yeah. and so this film is called Superstar: The Karen Carpenter Story because it is about Karen Carpenter of the Carpenters. Um, it is primarily uh, filmed using Barbie and Ken dolls, mm-hmm. uh, although there are human beings. Uh, in a few crucial sequences, one of which is the opening sequence, which involves the finding of, of Karen Carpenter's dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are like little interstitial interviews, which are always like my favorite thing about this movie. Cause I think they're so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is primarily uh, cast using Barbie dolls that are voiced. Um, and uh, it, it, you, one of the reasons why it was hit with a lawsuit and why you can't find it is that it uses the music of the Carpenters directly. Mm. Like, it just splices in the Carpenters music right there with sort of no concern for copyright or anything like that. Um, But in addition to being a movie about Karen Carpenter, it is also a movie about anorexia and anorexia's effect on women and women's psychology and what it does to uh, women in general and, and famous women in particular um, and it is this sort of really compassionate argument against the societal standards that make anorexia prevalent among young women. And uh, I think the prevailing argument that the movie makes is that if society didn't have these standards, Karen Carpenter would be alive. Um, I'm not sure if I disagree that I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I disagree with that statement or that I disagree that the movie made that statement. Um, Cause I, I feel like with Karen Carpenter and I feel like the movie did it uh, portrayed it this way where it was, it was, she had no control over her life, which is so often the theme with uh, anorexic folk. Right. Yeah. It's a way for them to establish control. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure it talked too much about like beauty standards and body standards and things like that. Mm. I could be wrong. I've also just been researching the life of Karen Carpenter from other sources, so I could be crossing my wires here I a mean, little. Yeah, I think it's. I'm sure it can be like a catalyst for anorexia, the uh, the the body image thing. But yeah, I think the predominant thing that they were trying to show was that. Uh, yeah, as a way of control over their life. Yeah, like because her family was so controlling over her, um, it it just made it. Uh, it it was one thing that she could take control over. I think, and uh, so that's, a, that's definitely something for that parents need to watch with their kids. I think, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I believe the movie uh, did raise some awareness to this, um, and really like early in the consciousness of what anorexia was like anorexia is a thing that we know very commonly now, but this movie was made in what? 1987. Um, and not not too long after her death, which is not long after her death and anorexia nervosa as a, as a thing was probably not something that was in the public consciousness that much at all to be perfectly honest. Right. Um, so the fact that there was a portion of this movie which defines specifically anorexia nervosa, what it is and what it does, um, is kind of, like, innovative. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
Uh, I'm sitting here thinking, obviously I wasn't alive at the time, but uh, it must have been partially traumatic for the United States. And this is something I feel like the movie really engaged with, which is that the Carpenters represented everything kind of safe yeah yeah and reliable yes exactly uh uh the silent majorities music act brother and sister singing about being in love with people that you hope aren't a brother and sister (laughs) (laughs) stop singing about love songs jesus christ and uh (laughs) alabama uh and then to have to basically have to watch this woman wither away in the public eye and there are interviews, public interviews, where she's being confronted with having anorexia, and she denies it. Um, and then to have her pass away at 32 years old, like a downright tragedy, uh, it must have been somewhat jarring, especially to people who would be fans of the Carpenters. Sort of original, non-ironic, initial, genuine fans of the Carpenters to have this happen. Yes. Because mm-hmm. uh, we're all in the modern age with a little time and a little irony to digest it. We're all fans of the carpenters here. Yeah. And yeah. like, that's the other weirdly innovative thing about this movie is this movie was like engaging with that post ironic carpenters fandom pretty much right after she died. Cause it has those interstitials where people talk, like it has these stage sequences where these probably like college actors yes. uh, read these lines about, uh, uh cr- like criticism of the carpenters and like theory of the carpenters and, and why people like their music or dislike their music. And even back then it was clear that like there was this predominant theory that they were, you know, too square, too squeaky clean. Everything was so artificial that. Yeah. A lot of people didn't trust it, them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You either embrace that artificiality or you don't. And I go back and forth. Like one of my feelings about the carpenters sometimes is there was the the i don't there's one sequence where like a lady in like a beret is like the carpenter has represented the moral majority in america and like that uh the reagan era and i never trusted them and it's like yeah like mm-hmm. i always kind of felt that way about the carpenters <laughs> like I, it wasn't until i got that post ironic thing of like oh it's supposed to be about that that i got past the this is just music for people who voted for Richard Nixon. <laughs> There's something, and they talk about it. They obviously because uh, they've always, and she in particular, Karen Carpenter has always has always, had her supporters and people who got it even while it was happening. And that's because there is something in, immutable there about her voice. Uh, and there was a critic of her who said uh, one of the interstitials where uh, I never trusted them. She had this deep, sophisticated voice. Uh, you know, this girl with bangs. Uh, you know, which were not cool back then, I guess. Um, not puffy enough for the 80s. Uh, and, uh, but, sort of the sadness and soul with which she's conveyed these songs. These, like, Burt Baccarat songs and, you know, kind of Kind of saccharine stuff. Although Burt Baccarat's pretty great. I don't know. Uh, kind of transcended all of the cornball shittiness of Dick Carpenter. Yeah. A true monster. <laughs> Dick stands for penis. <laughs> Justin, you've been very silent. Would you like to talk about this film? 
Um, it made me cry the whole time. It and it's it's a filmically it's a fascinating fucking weird movie. Weird as shit. It's, the, the opening. It's put together. It's it, um, out of the movies we've done. It reminds me a, a shit ton of Hexon. Um, yeah. It's, it's this pseudo... Uh, pseudo documentary. Documentary dramatization. Yeah. But with all of the... It, it keeps um, um, knocking you upside your head whenever it changes uh, its point of view. Um and whenever it, it's mostly at the beginning, there might be a few moments in the middle, and then at the end, when it goes into a POV shot, um, which skipping to the end, mm. one of the most powerful uh, filmed things I, I've ever seen uh, is the POV shot of Karen Carpenter taking the Ipecac that killed her. <laughs> yes. And it, uh, um, it puts you. It's it's so much of this film is uh, is is distanced. You're you're distanced from it, including uh, the characters being portrayed by Barbie dolls. <laughs> um, but the impulse of the film is so fucking empathetic. The 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 core of it, even though it's not playing uh, or showing its empathy. Um, so much on the outside, and that—that's true of a lot of Todd Haynes's work. Um, I don't necessarily love all of it, but I appreciate the fuck out of him as a filmmaker. You know what I mean? He tries shit. <laughs> yeah, he's like a top tier. Yeah, one of my all-time faves for me. Uh, safe. This one, Velvet Goldmine, Carol. Like he's. He he really always has knocked it out of the park for me, um, but uh, what like what always strikes me about this movie is that it was a student film. Yeah, but it was a, a student film. Like you always roll your eyes at student films. <laughs> this was a student film with perspective yeah. that was made with obvious skill <laughs> that had a point of view that you know was made with considerable intelligence. You could tell out of the gate that Todd Haynes was the real deal, just in terms of filmmaking chops mm-hmm. when he made this. From the opening sequence, which is like clearly this David Lynch mm-hmm. disturbing thing with the distorted voice and the black and white and finding Karen Carpenter's Barbie doll body. Uh, it's it's nuts. That it seems to uh, be a theme in a lot of the films we do, and maybe it's just a great theme in general, which is sort of the sickening, threatening nature of mid-century American kitsch. Uh, yeah. And and this movie played... I just want to bring attention to a few things in this movie. So one thing is the way that this movie um, allowed itself to be very loose and nebulous uh, with the way it would stitch in quick little jump cuts uh when they would in in moments of emotional tension they would have these like quick cut kind of things to like a mushroom cloud or bombs dropping in vietnam uh sort of showing the underpinnings of of tension and tumult that were hidden underneath this very thin faltering veneer of american uh kitschy pop culture um 
uh, a, a great element, and, and and that would be detached from the narrative in these sort of yes, Haxon esque sort of uh, um, expositional things. And w- one of them that was really kind of weird, and I wasn't sure if it was just the the YouTube lifting. Uh, I think Subo a while ago mentioned the black text, but there was this a it was a voiceover that was describing the post Second World War food boom. Yes. Meanwhile, there was an on-screen text scroll describing anorexia nervosa and the relationship with the body. That it was black text, and the, the what was visually on the screen was a slow dolly shot going through an American supermarket, and there would be areas of darkness that would completely obscure the black text. And it seemed very deliberate, like it was it was letting you read certain segments at certain times, and it was just we're getting two streams of expositional information that's being very thoughtfully interrupted, uh, and it's just a moment of brilliance. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I really wish I had read this book. Uh, so there, <laughs> a thing that might have been lost to us watching this really low grade compressed YouTube video, is that supposedly the uh, Barbie doll figures were manipulated through the course of the film to look differently. Yeah, I, I didn't really catch that on mine. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, that's something that if you're one of the privileged few that you've seen a higher def version of it that you're more aware of. But apparently, as the film goes along, sort of the body dysmorphic uh, grotesquity, grotesquity? Uh, grotesqueness of appearances is added with sort of changes to the dolls themselves using like plaster and markers and things yeah you you know what richard carpenter fuck off with your lawsuits let todd haynes release this on a proper format so that it can be restored let's see this movie the way it was meant to be seen patriarchy killed karen carpenter he probably did let's charge it with murder and lock it up throw away the key don't you but love me, baby. Rainy days and Sundays always get me down. All right, let's go from talking about this depressing film about the Carpenters to talking depressing music of the Carpenters. Fellas, even though it's Friday, Christopher Walken would like to talk about everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Rainy days and Sundays. Party and party. Yeah. Party and party and yeah. yeah, fun, fun. I fun. don't understand <laughs> the reference that you're making. Frank, get a life. Wake up, <laughs> will you? Plug in. Surf the tune in. Surf. Turn on. Oh. Drop out, as my generation would say. <laughs> When's Kevin Pollock going down? <laughs> 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 I have been waiting for a decade for that. I've been waiting. Kevin Pollock, you gotta get me too so that people stop doing Christopher Walken in <laughs> Can't we just cut to the chase and me too Christopher Walken? Yeah. No, he didn't do anything bad. He was just on the boat when Natalie Wood died. Oh. <laughs> he grew up in a generation where rape was called a French hello. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. My apologies to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm reading uh, the uh, Shirley Jackson biography, um, and she was married to a man who uh, believed that rape doesn't exist because uh, that's just, uh, you know, foreplay for the woman, you know, because all women want that. And then and I'm just heartbroken for Shirley Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, she died when she was like fifty-four. Yeah, she died way too young, uh, and I think that had a lot to do with her traumatic life and what you do when you have a traumatic life. Yeah, great. Which art, is drink. Wait, does that mean I'm traumatized? Yeah, probably. All right, this <laughs> week on the pod, <laughs> we did shocker the 1971 album, third studio album by the Carpenters called. Carpenters. No Ooh. article. It's just called Carpenters. Parentheses album. It was the third one. It came out May 14th, 1971. It beat Let It Be by the Beatles. Good. For best. Good. That's a bad album. Yeah. <laughs> Grammy. Grammy Award. It includes all the good ones. All the ones you want to hear. All the songs you care about. Rainy Days and Mondays. Superstar. It's close to you on this? I don't think it is. Uh, it's, it's on it. <laughs> no, close to you isn't on this one. That's a shame. It's, it's not. Great. That's a great it's song. definitely not. We could talk about that. We're not doing any more Carpenter's records. <laughs> we're doing literally just this one. And the only reason why we're doing this one is because we did Superstar the Karen Carpenter story. <laughs> Let's just... You know what, guys? I am... I have an invisible script, and I'm throwing it out the window because we're just having a freewheeling talk about the Carpenters, their whole thing. I love the Carpenters. I I came to the Carpenters, I feel kind of in a weird way, in that I missed all of the irony, uh, because I and people of our age, I'm sure... Uh, Vinyl records used to be a thing that were stupid and lame and were just in your basement. Yep. <laughs> and you didn't spend uh, uh, $60 Thirty for, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still had the working apparatuses and there were all these strange... <laughs> exactly. There's a stack of two of them in, my, in, in our vicinity right um, now. And I would listen to things like... Um, uh, a bossa nova compilation <laughs> or uh, yeah. the clancy brothers and tommy makeham the uh, best of bread the best Hell of yeah. bread uh, i listened to a lot of and then i continued to collect the rest of uh, herb albert and the tijuana brass you listened to a lot of that first album with the lady who was covered in whipped cream yes i did <laughs> whipped cream and, and other delights staring at that Especially cover in his teenage years i prefer the parody record <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> but I included among those, as I'm sure everybody had, were... Get the Knack. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Get the Knack was but, everywhere. But also the Carpenters, and I've yep. I've been a, a big fan um, uh, since before Juno. <laughs> yes, well, oh, yeah. the, the fucking thing about Juno <laughs> yeah. is the, the version of that that they use is the Sonic Youth cover. Yeah. Yeah. That they dance to and fucking fart in my face, uh, uh, Jason Reitman and Diablo Cody, get fucked. <laughs> Stupid. I know I own some. I 
I either own the Carpenters record we reviewed or Chicago record that looks virtually identical. Yeah, probably the same. That's a great record too. Chicago is what twenty-five or sixty-four. Yeah, we'll do that next week. Anyway, continue, Justin. Um. I also had a lot of uh, um, Greek music. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. Talk about carpenters, dude. I'm looking at my vinyl collection. We're, we're, we're getting you some souvlaki, and we're <laughs> some ouzo, and we're really going to town. Um, I sang a carpenter song at my brother's wedding. He did. This is back in the heady days before everybody had smartphones. So in the hotel room hours before, I had to call my good friend Steven Subaleski <laughs> to um, tell me the lyrics. He was not near a computer at the time, so we shared a love of the Carpenters. So between the two of us, we came up with the lyrics yeah. for. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully, we got them right. I don't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I'm just digging through my vinyl crate and I just found my copy of Kiss Alive and Get the Knack. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Kiss Alive. Everybody's I got it. Stand by Kiss Alive a little bit. <laughs> I, um, let me bring up um, would we be, t- uh, honestly, it's weird. It's weird how events and the history and, and biography um, affect. music would we be talking about her if she didn't die in such a sad way if she didn't have yeah probably because the music is there yeah i I think so too i think one of the i've been also just uh researching the life of karen carpenter um and i just get so fucking angry um i guess she deserved to live longer she deserved we deserved her okay Here's the thing about Karen Carpenter. If she wasn't under so much pressure from her family and the weird cadre of producers and songwriters that sort of kept that uh, Frankenstein's monster alive, uh, she would have been left to her own devices and probably would have quit music. She wasn't or, that into it. Or have she yeah. loved drumming. Or she would have been... Yeah. She would have been like a studio drummer. One of one of the great unknown. We she, she would have been interviewed in, um, in one of those documentaries nowadays, like so, the Wrecking Crew, like exactly. that guy yeah. who just died. Exactly. She would have played with fucking Toto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's an amazing drummer. Uh, she, I, I'm pretty sure she drums on all Carpenters records and would play play yeah. live. Uh, I think this is the first record where they struck a deal where she couldn't sit behind the kit on ballads. But she would play for the up-tempo songs. Uh, but also, I didn't know this, but apparently, once things started slowing down a bit and Dick Carpenter got addicted to Quaaludes... Uh, well, everybody did back then. You know, it was the yeah. thing to do. Uh, in the late 70s, uh, Karen Carpenter recorded an entire disco album. An entire thing. I'm not saying she said... Uh, I want to make a disco album there like that's a bad idea I'm saying she hired musicians had the songs tracked it uh, and then she brought it to their management team which included Herb Albert by the way uh, and Dick Carpenter and they listened to it hated it and convinced her to squash it 
and talk about like wanting to exert control over your life. I, I think I just get angry that it was this control over her that killed her and that we were denied decades more of that voice and that delivery and what corners she would have been able to explore if she was free of that shit. Um, Speaking of this discussion, speaking of incredible virtuoso musicians who were denied a voice and who who died of things that they shouldn't have died, and you can cut this out and we can put this in a future episode, uh, are you guys familiar with Arthur Russell? Um, Possibly. He was like a disco musician and cellist uh, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and he died of AIDS. I think so. It's really uh, and he was like a producer. He worked with Philip Glass. Very mm. similar story, but just let's dock at Arthur Russell for the future. He's somebody we should talk about. So, fellas, and we can also cut this out if it doesn't pan out. Isn't it true that one year for somebody's mo- for Subo's mother as a gift for either Mother's Day or her birthday? I'll take over for this for a second. The three men sta- sitting here in a row used to be in a punk rock and roll band. Mm. Mm-hmm. Called called the heads. We'll get to it. We'll get to it because I want to see this fucking documentary. Yes, we'll get to. It. <laughs> um, you Tom, guys better send me this documentary. You've made a film before, Justin. This is the first film you made. That's true. Edited counts. Um, uh, Tom on uh, guitar, Subo on vocals, me on drums. There's a specific uh, drum fill from. Uh, every, one, so- every live song that we played. <laughs> well, from one of one specific Carpenter song, I don't remember. Oh, oh, the Carpenter song, yeah. That I would use all the time. Um, one day after a um, uh, one night after um, a not so great show, Tom quit the band in anger. I had enough. <laughs> had enough. <laughs> and so Steven Subarski calmed down the move. <laughs> <laughs> and, we decided to con- you know continue Su- the torch here. Yeah, Subo yeah. and I decided, you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> and we went to our buddy Sage's house and recorded two Carpenters songs <laughs> for Subo's mother's birthday. No, 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 even not even her birthday even, for, for Christmas. For Christmas. <laughs> so all she got that year were that was her Christmas gift. Now you might think that. A gift for Subo's mother would include Subo singing lead vocals. Oh, but that's where you go wrong. That's where you go wrong. I was a, I was the full package of Karen Carpenter, drumming and vocals. <laughs> Did I sing it all? Like I think I sang the chorus, maybe. I think you have to look for. We're gonna get the footage. We're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna get, get the real get thing. The there is footage. There is footage of you guys recording that. There's also footage. Yeah, let the contact Sage Lobianco get a hold of that. <laughs> Um, so we we, we've got a long storied history at the carpenters which is why mr subaleski here is our guest this eve um what's what's your relationship to the carpenters subo you asking me (laughs) yes well uh so it's it's an interesting it's a weird relationship i guess because it started off as as dislike um Interesting, because my uh, my my mother uh, is a fan, 
<laughs> I got her the gift, right? So when I was a kid, she would listen to it all the time, and I would get annoyed by it because I was wanted to do other things or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You're bothering me, mother. So um, would she sit you down and make you listen? Come here, well, no, come here, I mean, Stephen. I li- we live under come the same sit on room, my okay. you know. So she's playing it in the kitchen or whatever, uh, okay. and I'm trying Let's to watch TV you. or whatever. Okay. You know, uh, but uh, no, as 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 I as I grew and and matured. I, I I I grew to uh, really appreciate Karen Carpenter as a person and uh, as a, as a singer, uh, especially her her voice is about as close to perfect as you can get. I I would say, um, you know, given the range that she had, I'm just I'm just She's saying pure the pure voice itself. <coughs> and uh, uh, she's an amazing drummer as well. So yeah, she is. And you know, uh, the only problem with it is is Dick. You know, he's. Uh, I, I always I'm always digging the song, and then Dick does something weird where he's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> His name is Richard Carpenter, but we're calling him Dick. We call him Dick because Dick stands for penis. We call him Dick. <laughs> the penis, which is the um, inferior uh, genital. <laughs> Yeah, no such thing as inferior genitals. That's true. That's true. That's accurate. I'm sorry. <laughs> All genitals are a okay. Is that a, is that's that my a, Dick Carpenter that's impression. A dick impression. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's pretty. I mean, and and I, I don't know. You know, we can't say for sure that the movie that that's how he actually acted because it's a dramatization. But, he is pretty uh, stiff, <laughs> Ken doll like. Yeah. He but, does uh, suck pretty bad. Yeah, he does suck, <laughs> including so, the song Saturday. I kind of like that day. one. Uh, yeah, jump cut to <laughs> goofy shit. It is really doofy. Frank, what do you think of the Carpenters? What is your relationship to this band? Uh, so my relationship to the Carpenters, I, I talked about it a little bit when we talked about Superstar, is that it kind of mirrored that one sort of lady that they do a. a when they're talking about people's reaction to the Carpenters music for a while, my reaction to the Carpenters was always like, there's too much artifice. It seems like, you know, like Reagan, George HW Bush, middle America, Nixon, Republican music. And then you learn to appreciate the artifice and you appreciate the, the musicality of it. You appreciate the skill that goes into it. And then the artifice becomes genuine. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, like you realize. Oh, I'm not just appreciating the artifice. I'm appreciating the genuine feeling here. Like this is real shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's real shit with a polish. And like when you get down to that level, and you realize that, oh no, no, no. Like the artifice is part of the point to get to the real stuff mm-hmm. of why this music works the way that it does. Uh, that cultivates a genuine appreciation for these songs. Um, and like, you know, rainy days and Mondays, like that's a classic song. It's always on AM radio or uh, like mm-hmm. easy listening or whatever. But like, that's some sad shit. Yeah. 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 It's some Th- sad shit. That's- like it, goes to real places like mm-hmm. real true dark 
places. I think that's that's in my like mid teenage years. That's what I legitimately actually uh, uh, grasped onto. Um, because it is like melodramatic and there's all of that but when they go dark they go dark like it's real and like the feelings are real and they are uh couched in this sort of arch musicality and and cleanliness but it's fucking real and like it's made more real by the fact that karen carpenter died Mm -hmm. before she should have died that and that's what I was trying, kind of getting at. Is like, what if she hadn't died? Would we be <clears throat> speaking of it like this? If Kurt Cobain hadn't Probably. died, yeah, would I, I think so. I'd like, I, I, I think we would speak about those early Nirvana records the same way if Kurt Cobain hadn't died. Uh, I think we would talk about the Carpenters the same way if Karen Carpenter died, hadn't died. But like, I think the fact that she died the way that she did, unfortunately, like adds another layer to it yeah yeah um but like we still talk about the feelings in early bob dylan records the same way and he's fucking 89 or whatever he is now i mean imagine honestly uh not us right now just you listening at home we'll move right on but imagine he died in that motorcycle accident yeah like like he, would he have been like a mythic James Dean figure? Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he so doesn't deserve that. Uh, no, no. He, he no, he's an no, embarrassing he old man. He deserves to die. <laughs> he um, deserves his stature in the culture, so, to be clear. So it's like, yeah, no, like the sadness and the archness of the music is genuine. But like the same goes in the other emotional direction, like saying sing a song sing Sing it loud loud. sing Sing it strong sing good things not bad sing of happy not sad boom 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 (laughs) who cares if it's not good enough for anyone else to hear just sing, sing a song. Wasn't that on The Simpsons? I was all on The Simpsons. Remember their doorbell was uh, close to you? That's a great song. I've been song. rewatching a lot of old Simpsons lately. I don't know Me why. Too. Same here. But that song is also the Margin Homer song in all the flashback episodes, and it's really sad when they will have a montage when a Homer is separated from Marge, and they'll play that song. It breaks your heart. No, they keep resetting the Homer and Marge relationship. I know. I'm talking about canon Simpsons. Oh, okay. I'm not talking about they, the fucking hate crime that is modern <laughs> Simpsons. Like, they recently reset it again to, like, the late 90s. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. Honestly, yeah. go fuck Fuck yourselves, Matt Groening. Why is that show still on the air? Preserve the first ten years of that show and then just be done with it. Nine. Nine years. No, I... No, I, I say ten. I, I, I put it at seven. I know... <laughs> I, no, I, I know there is great stuff after that. I, I think it was season seven. I know there's great stuff after it, and it feels a little bad. I think you only bad. move twice comes after seven. Exactly. And it's hard, but... If the series finale was the summer of four foot whatever, 
Yeah. That's a perfect series finale to a perfect thing. I know we're cutting out a lot of great shit in the next couple seasons, but what are we talking about? We're talking about Frasier. Dr. Frasier Crane is nominated for a CB award and wants to win that award, but does he win that award? He doesn't win that award. Who wins that award? A couple people win that award, but it wasn't him. It wasn't the old guy there. Zay Frazier season 18 episode whatever. <laughs> who wins? Who loses? We're all gonna die. <laughs> and the whimper is is the name of the episode. So here's my question for you, lads. Yes, yes. The plot of this episode is as follows: Frazier and Roz I, are nominated. I think for I, uh, I think went over it. Stay in your lane, Frank. <laughs> You kind of spat it out there. <laughs> Justin was all over that thing. Uh, the, the plot of the episode is that Frazier is nominated for a broadcasting award, etc., uh, etc., et and Roz is also nominated for the award, and the person she takes for, as her date is Noel. Yes. The, the, the Star Strengthener. Here's my question for you guys. We're all, Asubo, I don't know how you feel about this particular television program. Star Trek. Oh. But when it comes to the representation of Noel yeah. on this show, the key the thing I keep thinking is are we like this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer, answer is yes. 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 <laughs> like are we him? Uh, are we this guy? Probably pretty are much. Are we Trying to get Frazier to get the keys because of our night blindness. <laughs> <laughs> I have been complaining about how it's harder for me to drive at night. <laughs> I, I think we've established that I'm the Viking barista. Um, Frank, <laughs> you are definitely Noel. Thank <laughs> <Aww>. you. <laughs> and I'm I'm a no, uh, I'm a uh, season seven or eight. What? I'm the stoner guy from season seven or eight. The loser guy. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> no, I'm the loser guy. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm uh, the guy who appears in the next episode, which is the oft-mentioned on the podcast uh, grunge guy. <laughs> is grunge guy finally in the fucking show? Grunge guy, no, he's grunge... not. He doesn't exist. He is in the next episode of the series. <laughs> he brings in Martin's chair. Yes. He's like, oh, whoa, man. Oh, I'm a '90s guy. Fuck <laughs> you, Justin. I'm Cam Winston. You're Cam. You are not Cam you Winston. Not, you sir. are the Cam Winston to my Fraser Crane. <laughs> you, sir, are no Cam Winston. Um, I think I did have. I my heart did sink a little this time watching it when he gave the Spock Vulcan salute, and yeah. it was a joke. That's like, why I asked. Yeah, that was the that was the punchline. <laughs> that is why I asked. Like, we're not that guy. We're, we're not. We're modern, hip, awesome TNG bros. We're yeah. We're not original. He's an series. original series guy. Yeah. Yeah. And those original series nerds, they're the worst. Totally not us. TNG guys. Shut up, Subo. You play sports. <laughs> yeah, you play sports and are married <laughs> to a woman. <laughs> I can't I deny girlfriend. those things. <laughs> what is it? Fuck Clara. <laughs> Fuck Clara. Oh, literally at all. Here's something about Frazier. So I watched the Star Trek episode. 
Where, uh, <laughs> we can't even. We literally went this whole episode and we talked about Frasier for uh, 30 seconds. <laughs> we, didn't talk, we just. The only thing we said about we this episode was a segue into Star Trek. <laughs> we mentioned that it happened and then we talked about Star Trek. Here's the thing about Frasier. I think this is a wonderful episode. Um, it is. Kelsey Grammer was once on TNG. <laughs> Go. I I um I laughed out loud. I think this episode one has the best ending so far to an episode. <laughs> I loved it that Frazier is um consoling a crying Roz and he says I'm not going to leave here until you have a smile on your face and then a sexy lady comes up and says I'm a big fan and Frazier is trying to convince Roz like I think I see a smile there yeah oh There's Frazier also, has no um, shame this, this uh, has a lot of BB Glazer I didn't th- like her in this episode really like I think her performance is always so on point. Yeah. Like, she's always, like, in it, that actress. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think she... That I appreciate that. But I don't think... I think they get a, a little crazier with her as the her, seasons go on. I think her character is better when she is less, an, like, an abhorrent person, which is what she is in this episode yeah it's more like an absurd yeah thing because like in this episode this is a person that could probably exist and you would hate yeah uh in future episodes it's it's more of a comedic extreme she goes around the corner uh, there's an episode where they co-host a morning wake-up show with the monkey i think i've mentioned it (laughs) with a crane that's that's a different episode immortal joke comes from uh uh, well, I think you could have a uh, deposit on those crane sedatives. Boo. Boo <laughs> I was saying boo <laughs> I was just talking about the Simpsons in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> we are so stuck in the fucking oh, 90s. Oh, it's uh, Mr. Snrub. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry for me. <laughs> I'm already dead. No. All right. <laughs> Shake on <harder>, a boy. <laughs> the goggles they do nothing. <laughs> Up and at them. Up and at them. Up and at them. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just talk about the Simpsons? Just keep quoting it. <laughs> <laughs> What's a beautiful day? Simpsons. I think I'll go out the window. <laughs> In a way, you are all winners. In another, more accurate way. <laughs> Barney is the winner. <laughs> Only who can prevent forest fires? You've selected you, meaning me. That is wrong. The correct answer is you. you. Uh, I'm sorry to announce our rebrand. We're just going to be a Simpsons quote podcast. <laughs> yeah, a quote machine. quote the Simpsons for about an hour and a half, I guess. I tasted the herbal berries. They taste like burning. 
Uh, flex with a wet noodle, Bart. Anyway. <laughs> Time for recommendation. Let's recommend a thing to you. I've got a couple things in my back pocket that you might like. Take a trip with me to the trunk of my car. I've got a few things that you might also like. Lots of Okay, so our recommendations are, what are you watching, what are you listening to, what are you reading, what are you enjoying this week? Um, as is evident through this recorded message going out to you in cyberspace, I'm very, very depressed right now. This weekend, I'm going to be doing something that is sure to cheer me up, and I've been waiting a good long while for it. Queer Eye Season 3, back on Netflix, get into it. I'm very excited. Are they they going to Japan for this one or the next one? No, they went to, I think, North Carolina for the season, but uh, they filmed a special uh, in Japan that is will be released at some point. And we've got, I've been watching uh, Haunting of Hill House. And that's a, that's apparently a really good show. It's good so far. And I've got Game of Thrones coming up. So much oh, to live snap. for. So much television to watch. Uh, my there girlfriend is. actually just recently saw uh, Jonathan Van Ness. He just did like a one-man show in the area. Uh, and unfortunately, apparently, it was terrible. Was it? He's yeah. been trying like stand-up and stuff. Well, yeah. Well, he didn't do anything for most of it. He had his like stand-up friends do stand-up and then he did like gymnastics and then didn't do anything oh yeah she was like like if i had known what it was i wouldn't have spent money on it yeah yeah that's a shame uh but anyway queer eyes uh, the the current iteration of queer eyes is a great show though it is uh subo Mm. what Uh. do you recommend ah well uh one Strange Rock, I would I would uh, recommend. It's a, it's a Netflix show, uh, Will Smith uh, narrating, and it's a, it follows eight uh, astronauts and uh, and and their uh, experiences uh, above uh, the Earth, looking at Earth from space, and and uh, kind of the perspective that it gave them, and it uh, shows a bunch of cool stuff about how the Earth works. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. Dig that. Um, I have been watching a lot of Forged in Fire still, but I'm not going to recommend Forged in Fire again, even though Tom, oh, I know, fully fucking endorsed this recommendation. Yeah, that you are a fellow Forged in Fire boy. Oh, yeah. Forged, Forged in Fire is a great show. Oh, is that the one uh, where they make weapons? And- yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that is entertaining. Yeah. Excellent show. But I'm not going to recommend it twice. Uh, what I am going to recommend is um, the just newly collected run of uh, Tom King on Mr. Miracle. Uh, he was a guy who did uh, a couple of comics for Marvel. Uh, his version of The Vision is amazing. Incredible. He is also the current writer on Batman. He is doing a lot of really great work on Batman. But Mr. Miracle is 
sort of a continuation of a lot of what he did on Vision and and Batman, where he talks about trauma and mental illness and and what it means to carry trauma throughout most of your life. And he just decided to do it through a sort of obscure DC superhero. Uh, and it is really fucking sad and intense and real. And uh, it's uh, the art by Mitch Jarrods is incredible. And it's um, probably one of the best comics I've read in recent memory. Nice. I've heard great things. Yeah, it's really good. You would like it in particular, Justin. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to recommend something that uh, has been on my mind because it's always great and it's always been a wonderful thing in my life. Talking about college radio. And in particular, I'm going to talk about two stations. The first station I'm going to recommend, I don't care where you live, go on the internet, stream them. I'm talking about WPRB Princeton. 103.3 on the FM dial if you're in range. They are, bar- for me, here on the East Coast, these guys are my homies. I love them. I'm going to recommend uh, Double Plus Good with Lizbot. I'm going to recommend Rock with John Solomon. I'm going to recommend Oops, I Inked Again. I'm going to recommend These Vibes Are Too Cosmic. I'm going to recommend Hometown uh, Boombox. I'm going to recommend all their fucking shows. I love them. They have... They've turned me on to so many things over the years. Uh, I've spent so many great nights just driving home from wherever with the dial set to 103.3. Uh, it is my dream to have my music on there someday. Uh, it would, it's great. They're fantastic. Another college radio station. Justin, did you have something to say about that? Yeah, I, I don't listen to the radio often. I mostly listen to podcasts. Whenever I do listen to the radio, I listen to the PRB. And whenever I listen to PRB... I find a new favorite musical artist that I <laughs> uh, get into. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so many times I, I find myself, uh, I, I have that station on and I, and I find myself going to the phone saying, Siri, what song is that? Yeah. <laughs> so That's I mean, why you got to use Shazam. <laughs> and that's why you got to beat Shazam and beat Jamie Foxx. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, there is no beating Jamie Foxx. Uh, mm. No, he's too good at Shazam. <laughs> In the money. Uh, so and I'm a need. While we're talking about college radio. Friend indeed. So if you're out there, WPRB no, people. No, you're not going to pick it up? <laughs> you're the greatest, and I love well, you. Well, she's a gold digger. Oh, my God. <laughs> and while I'm at it, I'm also going to recommend some peeps. Because uh, uh, you're going to recommend the uh, marshmallow candy because it's springtime. No, I'm going to recommend a different college radio station. I'm going to recommend WXAC uh, 91.3 um, in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Reading, Pennsylvania. Redding, Pennsylvania. Redding, Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania. former mayor of Reading was just indicted on federal corruption charges recently. Cool story, Going bro. Going to jail. Cool story, bro. Uh, yeah. And uh, the, it's the uh, college radio station of Albright College. And uh, I just shout out to those folks they've got a really cool burgeoning music scene out there at albright uh, a lot of house show venues are springing up but uh, the musty basement the upside down i've played one i'm going to be going to be playing the other the musty basement in a couple weeks uh they're all they're a great bunch it's a really small college really tight-knit and some really cool townies as well and uh 
yeah, uh, you probably live too far away, so streaming on the internet. Uh, yeah, those are my recommendations. Uh, lads, what are we doing next week? We are doing all we know for sure. We'll talk about it off pod at some point, <laughs> but we <laughs> will. We be. need to uh, figure out the movie. But we that are we're doing <laughs> the hatred beaming from Justin's soul right now. I'm sorry for uh, blowing up Kevin Pollock's spot. <laughs> Justin is a white hot quasar of hatred. We will be covering uh, Stephen Malcolm's new, the very new record, very new came out today. Um, hey guys, groove. Denied! <laughs> so, listen, everyone. I just want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank Stephen Hussein Subaleski for joining us tonight on the we plot. Have to put the Hussein, I'm sorry. Plaid, plaid Lad Coliseum. Oh, thank you for having me. It's Here, been a pleasure. With the Iron Chefs of, of Plaid Laddiness. We're gonna see you again soon, Subi. We're gonna do. We're gonna be on here. You're gonna be here. I'll be back here, just standing behind you guys, like usual, smiling. Yeah. Please hug Justin intermittently because he just gets sad. Yeah, he's a sad I boy. I don't do hugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna hit stop. Bye. I love you. Bye. Bye. I love you too. Bye. Bye, my Long little babies. Long ago and oh so far away I fell in love with you before the second show Your guitar It sounds so sweet and clear Just the radio Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby Said you'd be coming back this way again, baby Baby, 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 oh Don't you remember you told me you love me